This is Zoe Church LA. We are not fans, but rather followers of Jesus. Tune in as Pastor Chad Veach teaches of God's love and how we can live a Zoe life, an abundant life. John chapter 13, verse 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world. He loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things to his hands and that he had come from God and, well, quite frankly, he was going to go back to God. He rose from the supper. By the way, I just like to say I'm old school. I like the word supper. I think that's awesome. He rose from the supper and laid aside his garments and he took a towel and girded himself, which is just a strange way of saying put a towel around his waist. At verse 5, after that, he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter and and Peter said to him, Lord, are you trying to wash my feet? And Jesus answered and said to him, what I am doing right now, Peter, you do not understand, but you will know after this. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered and said, Peter, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only then my feet, but also my hands and even my head. Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you, Peter, you are clean, but there are some of you that aren't. For he knew who would betray him. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. So when he had washed their feet, he'd taken his garments and sat down again. He said to them, do do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and Jesus is my homeboy, and you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should, as I have done to you. That you should. This is a riveting story in the Gospels. This is an unbelievable portrayal of the life and the leadership of Jesus. This is is so magnanimous in its implications. Jesus, right before he goes to die for the sins of the world, his last pita bread and hummus, his last meal, his last supper, spent with his click, click, click. He, um, his last supper, he, he's getting ready to go die for the sins of the world and if that isn't big enough, right before he, he enters into his Super Bowl, right before he plays at his Rose Bowl, right before his biggest moment of his life, what's Jesus doing? Well, he's actually washing some of the feet of his disciples. I want to preach tonight a message, and here's the title if you're taking notes, which I hope that you are. You can write down the title. It's called, Our Generous Jesus our generous Jesus. Last week, we talked about our God who is generous. We talked out of John chapter three, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he what? Come on, everybody together. He what? He gave. He gave his one and only son. We talked about our God who not only makes covenants, he keeps covenants, but our God, he goes beyond the agreement. He goes beyond the covenant, beyond the contract. 
Tonight, I want to talk about our Jesus, who is also in the likeness of his Father, our Jesus, who is generous. Let's bow our heads, let's close our eyes, and let's pray and let's believe that God will come and speak to us tonight. Jesus, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with us. We love you. We acknowledge you tonight. Thank you so much for your grace, your love, your forgiveness, your acceptance. We say to our soul that you are real, you are alive, and you are active. We acknowledge that reality tonight in this place. Thank you so much for all that you're doing that we cannot see and that we don't not do we do not know about yet we say yes and amen to those things and God with our heads bowed and our eyes closed we are believing right now for the Los Angeles Rams and the Los Angeles Lakers God we're believing that the Rams will win a Super Bowl this year and the Lakers will win a NBA championship next year God we're going to let Golden State have this last run but God we're believing that you'll send us Kevin Durant next year to the the Lakers and will win an NBA championship in the spirit of Kobe in Jesus name and we all said together we're gonna need a little bit more faith in that come on Laker fans and we all said together go Lakers go Rams crickets okay um I don't know if this is like your natural disposition or tendency this is just who I am uh let me see your hand if you are someone that you would consider yourself to being over the top, like you're an extrovert, you are not like just like plain Jane, but you're just over the top in your personality and what you do. Let me see your hand right now. Just put up your hand. Where are the extroverts at? Let me just see see your hand if you're an extrovert, okay? These are the extroverts. We don't do things quiet. We don't do things simple. We do things loud. Where the Come on, if you're loud, just make some noise. This is 6 p.m. I love all the loud people. All the loud people can't wait for an opportunity to get loud. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, oh, Oh, I've been quiet for six minutes. This has been hard. Like, ah, just, I, 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 I like to be loud. I was born loud. I'm always going to be loud. I just, this is just my personality. Just, and I, I like to be over the top for the majority of my life. Like in, in what I do and how I live, like I, I enjoy being over the top. For example, like when I leave my house, almost every morning I come down the stairs, I will present myself to my wife and I will ask if this is acceptable to leave the house looking like this. The reason why I have to do this is because I love loud statements, okay? So I wanna wear a whole collage of loud. I want my shoes to be loud, my pants to be loud, ripped up. I wanna wear bandanas and accessories. I want beanies and hats and fedoras and I want I want you know, jackets and and my wife will look at me she's like no you can't leave looking like that you, you you will ruin our reputation you will misrepresent God like she's like so serious like no you can't you can have like one statement piece you can't have six statement pieces what's wrong with you man like but this is just my personality I like to be over the top over the top just like especially gifts like anybody love to give gifts on Christmas at Christmas this is my favorite like who cares what I get I just want to wow Julia you know what I mean like uh, last week was Mother's Day and I couldn't wait to give her her gifts, you know what I mean? And I am not the dude that looks away when someone's opening. You know how some people, like, they just don't know how to handle it, so they're like, they look down while you open their gift. I am not that dude, okay? If you're gonna open one of my gifts, I'm staring into your soul. I wanna see any hint of your displeasure. If you didn't like it, I'm gonna cut you, okay? Cut you, okay? I gave you this gift. These flowers, this perfume, the, these candles, the, this is from me. And I, I'm looking for her to go like... You shouldn't have. You went over the top. I want to talk tonight about the greatest word 
that describes Jesus. The number one word that you could use to describe Jesus is the word extravagant. Jesus is extravagant. Nothing about his life or his generosity is metered or rationed out. He gives over the top. He loves over the top. He forgives over the top. He's invested over the top. There's nothing about him that holds back or is appropriate. He is over the top. He is extravagant in his love towards humanity. Is anybody thankful tonight that we serve a God that doesn't just keep a contract, but has given us a son who is extravagant? Come on, if you believe that tonight, you can go ahead and just give a little bit of a clap and a little bit of a praise because you're grateful for a Jesus that's extravagant. Love this story in John 13. The story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. What a picture. Jesus is about to go, you know, they're going to they're gonna crucify him. They're going to flog him. They're going to mock him. They're going to betray him. This whole thing is about to go down. And right before it goes down, we find Jesus with his guys, and he literally is taking care of them. Pick the story back up, John chapter 13, and just read from the beginning. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and that he should depart from this world to Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Write down number one, if you would, please. The point number, point number one, I love this about Jesus. He takes care of his own. He's so good at this. He takes care. He's so generous, but his generosity doesn't just go out there. It comes in here. There is nothing worse than someone that loves people out there, generous out there, energy out there, engaged out there, kind out there, but in home to your children, it's, it's like there's no engagement, there's no care, there's no, the worst father is a father that takes care of everybody else but neglects his own children. I want to tell you about Jesus. Jesus knows how to take care of his own. You might be here tonight going like, well, you don't know me, man. Like, I've got struggles, I got issues, I got sin. I don't go to church that often. I got some things in my life. I'm not really a Jesus guy. Well, let me just tell you this about God. Long before you ever believe in God, you already belong to God. God doesn't make the decision once you come to church like, oh, we've been waiting on you, buckaroo. Come on in. Now I'm going to hook you up. No, our God is so loving. He is so gracious. He is so generous. He is so kind that even when you are in sin and broken, he's still taking care of you. God did not begin taking care of your life when you started to step foot into a building. He did not start taking care of you when you started to give your tithes and offerings. No, our God, all the days of your life, he's been looking after you. He's been taking care of you. Come on, anybody thankful tonight that God is looking after you because you belong to him? Some of you need to realize you are a son or you are a daughter of the Most High God. And the older I get as a father, as a husband, all that really matters to me is that my own are taken care of. I want my wife to be taken care of. I want my children to be taken care of. My own better be taken care of. What did it say about Jesus? That Jesus, having loved his very own, his very own. You realize how precious you are to God? You are on the inside. You are in the family. You are in the click, click. Sorry, I want to really struggle with that whole wannabe black thing. And it just... I don't know why you laugh at me so much, but you're his own. So last week I was talking with some friends and, and one of my buddies was, was making mention of seeing a, a celebrity 
you know, march through this airport. And he's saying what fascinated him most about this very rich, famous person was not just the, you know, designer clothes of this person or, you know, the luggage and, you know, everything that they had, but what they really took note of was not just the, the one that was taken care of, but he said what struck him was, you know, his entourage, all the other 15 or 20 people that was coming behind, their outfits, their luggage, that it wasn't less than, it was the same. It was just as good. It was just as awesome. Can I tell you, it would make our king look so bad if his people were malnourished, if his people were poverty stricken. No, I'm telling you, our king, he loves to take care of his own. You are his child. You are his son. You are his daughter. And because you're his own, he's always gonna take care of you. Anybody thankful tonight that you can rest assured that you belong to God and and you're going to see God's generosity. Come on, he's giving his best to you. Your, his best is not going to Africa and you get neglected. His best is not down in South America, but you get neglected. No, you're his own, so you're getting his best. Having loved his own, even to the... Who does this? He's on his way to the cross, and yet he doesn't limp to the finish line. He's serving to the finish line. He's loving to the finish line. This is Jesus. Jesus loves you all the way, your whole life. In the early years of your life, in the, in the, in the teenage years of your life, in your young adulthood, in the middle of your life, even in your elderly state, God loves you all the days of your life. The Bible says he who has begun a good work will be faithful to complete it. Even as he loved his very own to the end, he's going to love you to the very end. This is who he is. It says, having loved his own to the very end. Watch what he does. He finishes his pita and his hummus. He wipes his mouth from his crumbs. He sits there and he begins to pour out water into a basin. This is, the imagery of this is fascinating to me because a few days later, he would go from pouring water into a basin and a few days later, he would go to pour out his blood for humanity. But on this special occasion, on this night, he pours out water into a basin and he begins to take this towel and wash their feet. This is unbelievable. Takes the towel and he begins to wash feet. Why does Jesus do things like this? I think number two, this is the reason why. Because he lives to give. This is what fuels this man. This is what invigorates him. This is his hobby. This is his obsession. This is what he says when he says, I have a food that you do not know of. This is what he, he gets up for. He loves to give. He lives to give. And I'll just encourage you tonight. You ain't living till you start giving. Because once you start giving, you, you find satisfaction. You find fulfillment. I do not believe Jesus lived 33 years giving and loving and serving and helping and healing and raising from the dead and giving cute talks. I don't think that Jesus went to heaven and looked back down and went, oh, I could have had a bigger house down there. Oh, the, car, the donkey I could have had, I could have put some rims on it, matte black. Like, there's nothing about Jesus that had a regret or remorse about what he didn't acquire or obtain. Why? Because he spent his whole life on this earth giving and loving people. And he lives to give. 
This is who he is. He's just obsessed with it. He knows no other life. He knows no other thinking process. He literally comes and gets on his hands and knees and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. He, he, he's, he's doing this out of a passion. And nobody told him he had to do this. Nobody said it would be good and appropriate if before you go to the cross, it would, be, it would look so good on your resume if you wash some feet. No, this is just how he thinks. It's how he operates. He's just, I just, I love you. I want to serve. How, what do you need? How can I help you? Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve. John, uh, Matthew chapter 20, verse 28. Watch what Jesus declares about his own life. He says, just as the son of man did not come to be served, but what? To serve. He came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Oh, I love Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 7 in the message translation. And watch what the Bible says about the attitude and the mind, the mindset, the thinking, the perspective of Jesus. Watch what it says. It says, think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had, oh God, this is amazing. He had equal status with God. But he didn't even think so much of himself that he had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity and took on the status of a slave. He became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Watch this last section. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life and then died a selfless, obedient death. The worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. This is the type of God that just says, you don't understand, I live to give. I just, it's, it's what fuels me. It's what invigorates me. It's my passion. It's my hobby. It's, it's just, it's what I do. Like you have a friend that lives to work out or you know people that live to shop or other people live to make money. Other people live for fame. Jesus lived to serve. He just, it was encompassed his whole passion. He gets on his hands and knees and begins to wash the feet of his disciples. Now, we don't know if he started with Peter, but Peter's obviously the highlighted one by John in this context of this story, the one that kind of speaks up. Maybe he speaks up for the crew who's looking down the road. And just let me just say this. In this church, if you are male, it is totally biblical for you to go get a pedicure. Pedicures are from the Lord. All the men of God say amen. It's what a real man does. Pedicure. What? For Jesus. For his glory. These dudes are sitting there and the main dude, the leader of the pack, is on his hands and knees washing their feet. Now, now Peter stands up. He's like, Peter's like, wait a second. Jesus, are you trying to, are you washing my feet? No. Jesus, there is, there is no way that I'll let you do this. You're, He's saying, you're God and I'm man and there's no way I'm going to let you touch my bunions. Like, he's, he's like, he's like, there's no way, God. Like, I haven't been wearing socks. These desert sandals are the worst. Like, he's just like, Bible jokes, look at you. You're the, you're the easiest. I love you. And, and he's like, he's like, no way. Watch what Jesus does. He, Jesus steps up to Peter and he goes, Peter, unless you let me do this, you have no part in me. Unless you let... 
unless you allow me to serve you and love you and give to you, you don't have a part in this kingdom. Write down the third thought tonight that I want to encourage you with. If you can't receive it, you can't be a part of it. If you cannot receive the love of God, you can't be a part of this kingdom. If you can't receive grace, you can't be a part of this kingdom. If you can't receive forgiveness, you'll never go anywhere in this kingdom. This whole kingdom is not about what you can do for God. It's all about what God can do for you. God is obsessed not with what he can get out of you, but what he can put into you. Jesus is sitting there at the feet of the disciples going, you don't understand. If you don't let me do this to you, you can't run with me. You can't be with me. This is all about me serving you and loving you even when you feel like oh my feet are so ashamed my life I got sin I got issues I've got I've got anger I've got addictions I I look at things and say things and touch things and Jesus says you put your feet right here I want the worst part of you I want the ugliest the worst the the the, the thing that everybody else looks away going that is gross Jesus says bring it to me and let me wash it and make it as white as snow come on anybody thankful tonight that Jesus doesn't shy away from the worst parts of you but he says if you don't let me do do this. You cannot be a part of this kingdom. Peter's like, no, stop. Oh, where are my socks? Give me the Jerusalem airs. I need them. That, guys, this is just too much fun, right? This is just too good. I want to write with stance, but I couldn't find some. Anyways, he's like, no, stop. Just please. You're embarrassing me, Jesus. Jesus says, no, you don't, you don't, you don't understand. Unless you allow me to serve you and give to you and love you, you, you just cannot be a part of what I'm trying to do in your life. Notice what Jesus doesn't say. Jesus, the law of opposite. Jesus doesn't say to him, you know what, Peter? Unless you get your act together, you can't be a part of what I'm doing. Till you get your morals in order, Peter, do not come back to me until you get perfect. No, the only thing he says to him is, Peter, in order for you to, to be with me, you, you, must re, you must allow, my only requirement is that I get to serve you. I get to wash you and love you and wait on you hand and foot. This is amazing. This is Jesus, isn't it? He's so loving. He's so gracious. He's so extravagant. He's so over the top. Recently, I was in a conversation with some friends a couple weeks ago, and one of the people in the group asked, what, what's the hardest thing about being a Christian? What is it for you guys? What's the, what's the most difficult thing about being a Christian? One of them answered, you know, what he thought was the hardest and his answer spoke and shed light to the reality of us feeling like hypocrites. You know, I feel like I, I'm one way at church and I act duplistic outside of church and he kind of spoke to maybe the duplistic tendency of his life. The other spoke to a similar thing, misrepresenting God, not living up to what people think a Christian are and falling short of that. And, and then one of them looked at me and said, what, what, what is it for you? What's the hardest thing about being a Christian for you? And I, my answer is simple. It's always been this, that the hardest thing for me about being a Christian is just receiving. Because you know, all of us, we have this thing in us. We we want to earn grace. We want to earn God's goodness. We want to deserve. Yeah, that's right. I've been, I've been serving every Sunday, so have at it, Jesus. I, I mean, these feet have been working for you. Woo! I have been doing your bidding. Let's get to work. No, 
but none of us ever feel like we earn God's love and deserve God's love. And so when grace comes in and overflows us, we feel so undeserving. The hardest thing about being a Christian is receiving love when we don't feel lovable. The hardest thing about being a Christian is getting grace when knowing you don't deserve grace. The hardest thing about being a believer is God's overwhelming sense of forgiveness and acceptance and love even when the devil's trying to speak shame in your ear saying you are so awful and you are so bad and you don't deserve this. And if the church only knew, but God comes in and says, won't you sit right down and I'll wash your feet and I'll wash your soul and I'll cleanse your heart and I'll renew your mind. Come on, anybody thankful today that we can receive from heaven? Come on, just as Peter received that day, just as the disciples received that day. Oh, come on, y'all make some noise tonight. If you believe that God, his only requirement is that you receive. It never works, does it? To try to be a self-made man. Saying, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work hard. I'm going to go for it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go to church every Sunday. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go gluten-free. <laughs> and that lasts two days, and then you back. On your face, going like, oh, God, it's me again, and I need grace. Jesus says, this is how I set the system up. I'm going to love you ferociously. I'm going to love you not by ration or portion. I'm going to love you extravagantly, over the top. I'm going to shower you with love. Even when you want to hide away your feet, I'm going to say, bring them to me. I'm going to love you from your head to your toe. I'm going to love every inch and every single fiber of who you are because I created you. I am God. I am Lord. I am Savior. And my Father made great agreements. But I am Jesus who is generous. I am the servant of all. I am the lover of your soul. I am the Prince of Peace, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Great I Am, the Bread of Life, the Living Water. Come on, the Alpha and the Omega. Come on, does anybody believe tonight in a Jesus who is generous? Peter's like, no. Jesus is like, yes. The requirement is that you allow me to serve you this way. What does Peter say to this? We don't know. John doesn't mention it, but I think he's probably like, fine. Like, what do you say to Jesus? Like, lays down the law. The pinky's nasty, fine. Like, what do you say to him? Unbelievable. He goes down the row, he washes all their feet. Bartholomew and the crew. Awful name. I'm kidding. No, I'm not kidding. washes their feet, puts the towel back, and he looks at the guys and he goes, guys, if, if I'm the teacher and I'm the Lord and I did this for you, this is how you should love each other. If I'm one of the disciples, I'm like, Dang, that sucks. Because I seen them feet. Like, is this figurative or literal, Jesus? Like, can we take this part out of the Bible when you leave? <laughs> Think about what he's saying. This is unbelievable. He, he never just does stuff to do stuff. He's giving all of this was for an example. This is tonight, as I exit, and worship team, you can come back up. 
He says, tonight as I exit, I give you, I leave for you an example. In the same way that I just served you when I'm gone and I'm up in heaven, this is how I want you to serve each other. So in other words, he's saying the generosity that you receive from me is the standard of generosity I want you to live and give. Write down number four tonight to encourage you. But he sets the standard, doesn't he? He's not the guy that sets the standard and goes like, hey guys, here's the standard, but just do your best, okay? Hey guys, here's the standard and just, you know, whatever you're feeling, you work it out amongst yourself. No, he says the standard of generosity has been set and I want you to live according to the standard. God makes no apologies by setting the standard and requiring you to live to the standard. God says things like, be holy because I'm holy. If I'm a holy God, I require a holy people. Jesus is saying, I'm gonna be generous to you. Make sure you're generous to others. In other words, let's go Bible. Freely you have received. Freely you should give. Say, well, how do I give? What do I just like? Is it 10%? Come on, we're leaving 10% a long time ago. It's never been about a percentage. It's all been about a lifestyle. It's about a thinking. Jesus didn't think, should I give a percent of my life? He came to give all of his life. And that's Jesus. It's his passion, isn't it? It doesn't go like, here's the standard. But for you guys, you're human. Let's cut it in half. 50%. I sometimes work out with Zach. I don't know if Zach's still in here, but sometimes I work out with Zach. When I mean sometimes, I mean once a year. And um, Zach is like this workout maniac, amazing workout dude, amazing fit people that I envy type of person. And, you know, Zach will work out. And I'm always like, yeah, you're fit. So, so for me, let's, let's do less. So if it's 15 burpees for you, it's seven for me. If it's two miles for you, then it's, it's a mile for me because I'm not on your level. I'm, I'm, I'm not a workout guy. I'm, I'm, I'm not a workout guy. I'm just, that's not who I am. And he'll always say, no, 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 we're doing this together. Come on, God is saying to you tonight, I am generous Jesus and I'm calling you to generous people. Come on, we're not gonna be those that see the standard and look away. We're gonna be those that say, if this is what the standard is, then God, I choose to live generous. If this is what the standard is, then I'm gonna pour out my life and I'm gonna help people and love people. I'm gonna wash some feet. I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna be a part of the solution. I'm gonna live this life as those that live not according to a ration or a portion, but I'm going to give with a reckless abandonment. I'm going to choose extravagance. You know, the tragedy about life is that so many people want to hold on to what they have. Want to hold on to what you got. I hate to give you a forewarning of this magnitude, but let me just encourage you tonight with the reality of the way God works. Whatever you don't give, eventually will be taken away. Tonight, God is saying, before you lose it, you should sow it. Before it snatched, you should give it away. Give away your love. Give away your energy. 
Give away your grace. Give away your talent. Give away all that you have and I'll use it for my glory. If you love people and serve people the way that I did, I will use your sacrifice in the same way that I used my son. I'm calling you to that standard because I used him, but I'll use you. Come on, stand to your feet, Zoe. Come on, we're going to lift up a little bit of praise tonight. We're going to sing this song out, but before we do, why don't we just pray together? If you feel all right tonight, you don't have to do this. Please feel no pressure. Please don't feel like, man, I'm at church and they always want us to do this, but I don't ask this very often, but if you feel comfortable, maybe just lift up a hand. You can lift up half a hand or all the way hand, but just lift up a hand. We're going to acknowledge that we're receiving his love tonight. Jesus, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you that before we chose to serve you, you already chose to serve us. We declare that you are generous, Jesus. You are our savior. You are the washer of our feet and the lover of our soul. We say yes and amen to your goodness and your mercy. We receive from heaven a word in season for our life and our lifestyle. We say yes to who you are. Come on, let's worship him. Thanks for tuning in to this week's podcast. We hope you are inspired and encouraged by the message. For more information about Zoe Church, check out our website, www.zoechurch.org, or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and the newly added Snapchat under the handle Zoe Church LA. Have a blessed day.